Hello everyone and welcome to Dallas Hoops Fancast. I'm your host Sydney and I'm going to be joined momentarily by a guest host, Jared Castillo. Jared covers the Golden State Warriors for SportsNaut.com, that's SportsNaut.com. And the reason why I'm having a Warriors guy on, I know it, it might seem kind of random, but the other day I was thinking that the current Dallas Mavericks remind me a lot of the Golden State Warriors from around 2011-2012 when they had Steph and Clay, two stars, but still a very young team. I think that's where the Mavericks are now. And over the next three, four, five years, they grew into a championship team and um, really a, a dynasty in the NBA. And that's where we want the Mavericks to get. But right now we can, we all can kind of see um, areas where they need to grow in. The word that comes up a lot is young. This is a young team. And I think the Warriors from, you know, five, six years ago were that same, kind of in that same boat. And so I wanted to get the perspective from somebody who covers the Warriors to see how did they grow? Like, what were some specific areas where they grew from that young team to a championship team? How did Steph grow from a young player to an MVP? Um, what were some specific things that we can look forward to as Mavericks fans or that we should um, expect to see or hope to see as these players grow and as they grow into hopefully a championship team? So it's a really interesting interview. We talk about that. And there's one quote I ask him if you had to uh, list one thing that was the major difference between that young Warriors team and the championship team of 2015, what was that one thing, that one major difference? And his answer, I think, is is huge. So uh, make sure you listen to the whole episode so you can hear that answer. Thank you for listening. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed. You can listen to this episode and new episodes on DallasHoopsCast.com. For now, let's get on to the uh, to this episode. So I'm here with Jared Castillo, co-host of the Shooting Bricks podcast and featured writer at SportsNot.com. Jared, thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But first, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about what you write about, what you cover, how long you've been at it, just so they know where you're coming from with, with your thoughts and opinions that we're going to hear. Sure. I've actually been writing for SportsNot. Um, you can find them at sportsnot.com for about a little over a year now. I started last year in 2019. I was given this opportunity to be the quasi-beat writer for the Golden State Warriors and the St. Louis Cardinals, my favorite baseball team. And yeah, now I'm just writing everything about the Warriors, anything I could think about concerning the Warriors. So yeah, just a quick overview. Okay, so you've been covering the Warriors for a couple of years, but you've been a Warriors fan for how long? Probably since I could remember watching a basketball game. I just saw the late 90s garbage fest that was the Golden State Warriors, but <laughs> for some reason, I was just enamored by the way that the jerseys looked, how... Even though I didn't know anything about them at the time, they were just so enthralling to look at. I was just engaged from that moment on, and I've been a Warrior fan ever since. Awesome. So that's that's actually a great intro into what we're going to be talking about, the, the growth of the Warriors. 
And the reason is because, in my opinion, the current Dallas Mavericks have a lot of similarities to the Warriors of 2011, 2012, 2013. Those Warriors had two stars, Steph and Clay, but they were a young team. Um, they had a lot to learn before they could be a championship team or um, a dominant team. And that's what I want to get your thoughts on, Jared. Obviously, you know, the team made moves, they added players and so on. But there was also the journey of the stars, the players themselves. And so just starting with with Steph Curry, first of all, the MVP, the most important player. When the Warriors drafted him in 2009, at what point did you know that he was a special player? Like, at what point were you like, okay, this guy is different. He's He's got something special. You know, it took me a little bit to to read into Steph Curry when I first watched him play because he was this, I don't know if you recall, but he was this, I guess, smaller player, smaller point guard that could shoot the ball when, in my mind, all I've known were these point guards that can pass, mainly pass. And when the Warriors drafted Steph, I think the first time that I knew some the Warriors had something special was when he got a triple-double against the Clippers. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a blowout. And the Warriors just kind of kept him in there just so he can get that last rebound. And he got it with about a few seconds left on the clock. And the way that the players were approaching him and how much of a happy presence he was, couple that with the shooting and just how much of an impact he made overall... I think that was the inkling of something greater. I didn't know that it would be, you know, a few years down the line. I just knew that something would happen that would propel Steph to a better plane, I guess. Yeah. um, And I can kind of say, you know, the same thing from watching Luca is just you can see his skill is just on another level. Um, Like you were saying, the way that he impacts the game is just different from the way that anyone else does. But he didn't win Rookie of the Year. He was runner-up, had Mm -hmm. some some injury problems. But what kind of growth did you see him make year over year? Like, you know, right now when we watch Luka, he won Rookie of the Year. He's already kind of in the MVP conversation. But he's so young like surely there is more that he will learn we maybe just don't know it yet what did you see Steph Curry learn or how did you see him grow over the years mainly the way that he became more of a leader because under Mark Jackson he became more vocal and he had this kind of like a shift in mentality and with Steph I just saw that he was more demonstrative and more of a true point guard in the sense that he was able to read what was going on on the floor and properly direct his his teammates to do what he wants them to do so that it has the best chance for success and I think that's the main thing because earlier in his career because Monte was there and because it was just this weird situation where they're playing two point guards at the same time there wasn't really that I guess he wasn't necessarily the de facto leader. But then after they traded Monte to Milwaukee, it just became more of Mark Jackson pushing him along, saying, you know what, I need you to be a leader. And to his credit, he was able to rise up to that challenge and, you know, burst through the 
the ceiling because he exploded the the following year after his injury riddled 2011-2012 season so I think just the the maturity that he showed and I know that sounds maybe trite at this point but his maturity as a leader and his growth and confidence was just exuding everything so like you talked about being able to control things in the game was that would you say that was kind of like his his feel for the game or his decision making at times probably his decision making more than anything because i know that there have been moments where i've he's done some passes or he's thrown some passes that i'm just left scratching my head wondering why <laughs> sometimes he'll throw a behind the back pass or something and I think it was in 2016 he had a behind-the-back pass to Clay that just bounced out of bounds. Yeah. And that's still one of the moments where I think to myself, why? I know you're an incredible ball player, and I'm sure you know everything under the sun, but that's one of those moves where you don't necessarily have to do that right then, especially with the game so close, but I digress. But, you know, it's it's just growing pains overall. Yeah. What about um, in terms of decision making his shot selection? Because I know Steph is known for taking these crazy shots. Did that change or did he just get better at making them? More than anything, I think he just got better at making them. Yeah. Um, he is an incredible shooter. And more than anything, I think that he just learned how to play farther and farther away from the basket and mm. obviously he was already a three-point shooter but the fact that he can shoot 40 feet and plus and hit him at a high clip just goes to show that he his skill shooting wise is unmatched sorry james harden <laughs> well you won't get any arguments from me i'm a mavs fan so obviously i, I don't have a problem dogging on the rockets right so that's kind of an interesting point because he already had the skill of being an elite three-point shooter, but he had to make an adjustment in his game. That's really what made him unstoppable was that he could shoot it from anywhere, and he got so good that there was nothing the defense could do about it. Um, and so I, I like that point, that point of growth. Um, I think that can fit in with Luca perfectly because – Obviously, he is a very talented scorer, and one thing about him is that he can score from just in so many different ways. Um, but obviously, you know, defenses are going to get smart and try to take things away, and so I think a point of growth is just keying in on what he is very good at and taking it to another level. Like, Steph Curry was already a very good three-point shooter, but he just took it to another level with being able to shoot it so far out. And that's what really made him unstoppable. So I don't know what that looks like for Luca, but that's probably like the next stage of his development is how can he take that skill and just kind of take it to another level. Um, what about the the rest of the team? They they brought in Clay Thompson. He was drafted in what two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. How how did you see him grow, or maybe him and him and Steph grow as a duo? Were they just, you know, immediately they were perfect together, or did you see any growth between them two? I think they were just perfect together because we talked about how Steph became this playmaker and more of a floor general. And when I see Steph, I see flashes of Steve Nash, and I see Clay Thompson as just like a complementary piece. And 
when they when I was watching them early on, I didn't necessarily know what Clay could have been. Um, I knew he was a phenomenal shooter, but he, you know, his rookie year was pretty solid. And after they traded Monte Ellis and then he got slotted into the two guard spot, I was still thinking to myself, he better be worth it because <laughs> I enjoyed watching Monte Ellis play. I love the guy and just making sure that, you know, Clay had this, I guess, this symbiotic relationship with Curry. And thankfully, I was right or I was proven wrong that they were able to have this relationship because they were such great shooters and they were they knew where each other was because of how in sync their mind minds were and Mm. i'm glad that that worked out because i don't i'd still be fuming if it didn't work out like it did yeah so that's they i think their playing styles complemented each other but then another part of complementing each other is having that same mind of just just clicking kind of like how friends do you just click but on the court Mm -hmm. you just know where each other is going to be you know you brought up the the monte ellis trade um whenever that happened i think it was almost like the day or a few days later they had the um ceremony for retiring chris mullins jersey Mm -hmm. and the crowd was just booing joe lake up like crazy it sounds like you were kind of on that boat you really did not like that trade absolutely i I was watching the the ceremony on NBA TV mm. and I just was in this state of rage and the state of <laughs> heartbrokenness because my one of my favorite players got traded for an injured center and Steven Jackson. Captain Jack is fine, he's wonderful, but at the time I was thinking to myself, why would you trade this guy who said he wanted to be with the Warriors for life and he led the the Warriors to somewhat decent stats or whatever but he was doing everything he can for the Warriors and they just let him go like that and he had to find out through social media through the news instead of your own front office I was bummed I was I was just in a weird state and I actually was booing the television as weird (laughs) as that sounds I was it's like one of those things where it's so you're so filled with anger and you don't know what to do and you're just you don't you don't want this to be true but then it is and then you're like oh well dang now we got to start over <laughs> hopefully this dude with the broken ankles can can supplant him hopefully fingers crossed yeah i can tell you as a mavs fan we have had many moments like that um especially recently because the mavericks have this plan every summer of going after a big fish the big free agent and of course they Mm -hmm. never get him and so it's like every time free agency effectively ends all of the mavs pods come out with just so much anger and so much frustration and it's not you know really we just need a hug you know i feel like i feel like the warriors fans they just needed a hug It, it ended up working out with bogut obviously he was a key piece for them was that like just chance did it happen to work out perfectly or do you think like secretly these guys are geniuses and they knew exactly what they were doing you know hindsight's twenty twenty, so i'm gonna say they're geniuses they absolutely knew what they were doing but <laughs> you know what i think yeah uh, they are smarter you know they are much smarter than i am and 
with Bogut, I think they got the the big man they were looking for. And I remember back in the early part of the 2010s, they had Andres Biedrins and Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a that's a name nobody's thought of in a long time, but <laughs> he was he was good for one year and then he just went completely down the drain and the Warriors owed him like 18 million dollars for two or three years mm. something crazy like that and he wasn't producing at all at one point I think he was averaging one one point and two rebounds a game Gosh. and for 18 million dollars so I think they just decided you know what let's bite the bullet we'll do this highly 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 unpopular move right now and hopefully we can get a former number one overall pick to be some sort of effective and we'll go from there and you know it worked out for them yeah i think that's one thing that i think mavs fans are going to experience as this team grows is those decisions like there might be a player that we love or that we think is great and they're going to have to move on for whatever reason um right now they're in the position where their defense is just awful and so they're going to have to move on from one of these guys to improve their defense somehow, and that might be a tough decision for Mavs fans. Um, speaking of defense, the Warriors were just atrocious at that for a long time. I remember that with the Warriors. In fact, going back to 2011, 2012, their defensive rating was 26th in the league. And then after that, it went up to 12th and then 3rd and then 1st. Since the Mavs are there now, they have such a bad defense, what changed for the Warriors? Like, what was it that grew them into being the best defensive team in the league? I think more than anything that has to go to Mark Jackson because he always instilled this level of accountability. Like, players always had to be accountable for their actions, and if they miss a defensive rotation, that's on them. They have to own up to that. And I think all of that has to do with Mark Jackson especially considering he was such a hard-nosed defender with the Pacers and the Knicks when he was playing. Mm -hmm. So I think just him drilling that into his players, like, hey, if you mess up, this is on you. And I think that's just what what helped the Warriors grow defensively. So it's more like that team defense mindset? Kind of, yeah. And how not to... Because like you mentioned, the, the Warriors before Mark Jackson came, they were just atrocious. And I think having a defensive-minded coach instill the principles needed to be successful on defense was most important because they had Don Nelson and they had Keith Smart. Both Mm -hmm. coaches focused primarily on offense. And the Warriors at that point didn't really have this defensive, I guess, foundation that they can stand on. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the main thing that Mark Jackson worked on the most and if you watched the their offense sometimes it showed but for the most part it's just that defensive foundation that they and overall just learning where each player was and just growing with each other defensively I think that's what helped so do you think it was more having that those principles and that mindset like you said or was it more adding players that were very good defenders or I mean I don't know maybe 50-50 but what do you think was the bigger played a bigger role there I think it's a 
bit 50-50. I know dr- slotting Draymond Green <clears throat> into the starting lineup definitely helped because his defensive tenacity and his intensity was just otherworldly because he would hold players accountable. And if Curry missed you know, a rotation, he would let them know. He was so vocal, <clears throat> and I think having him there as the backbone of the defense really helped and obviously having clay along really helped as well because you have two solid tall lengthy defenders that you can position wherever you want them plus you can have harrison barnes too and you have three really solid defenders right there so i think it's a bit of both yeah, plus Bogut down low um, when he was healthy. So, I mean, I would agree with that. Just, you know, based on watching the Mavs, their last championship team in 2011, they had some elite defenders. They had Sean Marion, Deshaun Stevenson, Tyson Chandler, Jason Kidd, even though he was a little older, he was still a very good defender at that point. Um, so they had those guys just like the Warriors did, but they also had some guys who were terrible defenders. I mean, you know, Dirk, he... Is not as bad as some people say, but still not a great defender. Jason Terry, not a good defender. J.J. Barea started in the finals, not a great defender. So it was, at that point, it was also the team defense and the mindset, like you were saying. Um, also, I wanted to talk about their clutch performances. And right now, another point of weakness for the Mavs and being so young is that they really struggle to close out games. Like if it's a close game with five minutes left, Odds are they're going to lose. And when I was looking at the Warriors going back to 2011, they kind of had the same problem. That season, their offensive rating or their their net rating, they were 29th in the clutch. And then going into 2012, it went up to 10th and then 11th and then 3rd. Could you Can you speak about how they grew in the clutch? Was that just improving their skill level or did you see a a mental growth from them that helped them to close out games i think it was a a mental growth more than anything because 2011 until 2013 when they made it back to the playoffs they were a young team and they didn't really know how to compete in tight situations because they're losing 50 you know 46 50 games a season so they haven't really ever been in those close situations but i think as they grew and as they started to know and be comfortable with one another and be confident in how they played i think that's the most important thing because if you look in 2013 in the playoffs they got through the the denver nuggets in the first round in six and then mm-hmm. i think it was game one against the spurs they had that brain fart against the inbounds where mm. I forgot who threw it in. I think it was Steven Jackson, but someone threw it in to Manu Ginobili and he was wide open. I think that was supposed to be Kent Bazemore's rotation, but he wasn't there. So I think it's it's just more of growing and just being aware of the situation and accepting what the situation is and then determining what the best course of action is because the Warriors had never been in that situation before. And you know the i can say the same about the Dallas Mavericks i think because there was a shot last year where it was i think 2 tenths of a second or something crazy like that and luka hit that shot against the oh, trailblazers the yeah that was incredible and i think it's moments like that that have i think the Mavericks ahead of the warriors because they're already scoring 
on shots like those and they're already in the playoffs in their second year together uh, KP and and Luca well the Warriors we were we were still waiting we were hoping something good would bounce our way so mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a good point you made about um that mentality of just understanding the moment understanding where you need to be um is that do you think that was a a skill like tangible things that you saw differently or was it more of just their instincts were better they were in the right place the right or, or they made the right decision i think it was the instincts more than anything um Again, credit has to go to Mark Jackson because prior to 2013, the Warriors hadn't seen the playoffs in seven years at that point. Wow. And just because Mark Jackson had been to the finals, had been to the playoffs in so many different years, and is such a vocal player in his day, I think that transferred over to them just learning just drilling that into their mind okay i need to be here it's 10 seconds left i need to be here i need to set screens there etc etc so it's i guess instinct has a a little bit to do with it too yeah i think you know sometimes when i watch the mavericks it's if i i would point out two things one sometimes it's decision making um like for example shot selection um and then sometimes it's I don't want to use the word hustle because I feel like it gets used a little too much, but um, there's times when it's like it's that moment of the game and you have you have to get a rebound or you have to make a play on the ball or you have to get a stop. And there's a certain mindset or tenacity that championship teams have. Um, and the Mavericks right now just don't have it. And I think, like you said, they've just never been in that situation before when something is completely new to you, it's like, it's, of course you don't know what to do. I mean, it's, it's not your fault. You've just never been there before. I think with the Mavericks, it's, it's kind of like that. One more question about Steph Curry. So we talked about his growth. Um, was there anything special, like beyond what we talked about, but from his season before his MVP season to his MVP season, was there anything that changed there like even more so where he took it to another level to become the mvp i think that mainly has to do with steve kerr because we mentioned mark jackson's offense and it was somewhat kind of simple in a sense but with steve kerr's new offense curry was just given this freedom to play the way he wanted to to explode the way he wanted to because in Steve Kerr's system, he's just free-flowing. Everything's just motion, motion, motion. Sometimes there's elements of the triangle. Sometimes you'll have Greg Popovich's sets in there. But for the most part, just being able to play free mm-hmm. and play this brand of basketball that nobody's ever really seen before. And I think that's the most important thing that helped him win the MVP was that he played a brand of basketball and he elevated his game because of that brand of basketball in such a way that no one's really ever seen before. And mm-hmm. obviously everyone's going to point to the three-point shooting, but he got better in almost every facet that season. He was just, again, credit to Steve Kerr. He just knew how to position Steph Curry to be the best player he can be. And, I mean, 
I'm not going to argue with the results, not even a little bit, but <laughs> he, Steve Kerr is a genius, and I think that's what helped Steph Curry unlock his true potential and just be this menace on the on the offensive end because you don't know where he's going to go he's going to he might run to the corner or he might just pull up or he might drive or he might do xyz and that just level of freedom and i it's it's going to be a weird statement but that level of expression filled basketball where he could just be who he wants to be on the basketball court i think that's what helped more than anything interesting do you think that it just suits steph's style or do you think that would have worked for any any elite player i think it just suited steph the best because Mm -hmm. kerr and curry can just they they just had this connection almost immediately and i think if it were any other player i don't think it would have worked as well but that connection just helped propel everything and just accelerated everything and I just don't see it working with a Kawhi Leonard for instance or maybe a LeBron James right Hmm. interesting okay last question if you had to point to one thing that was the difference between that young Warriors team that just made the playoffs for the first time in you know seven or eight years or whatever it was and the championship team what was the one point of growth or the one difference between those two teams? Confidence. Just being able to believe in themselves and just knowing that they can do it, even though those first teams were kind of young. They just had the wherewithal to know that we are good. We can play with these teams and we can beat them. I think that's the most important thing because as we've mentioned, the Warriors were bad and they've never been in those situations where a, one play needed to be made, one stop, one offensive set. But then as they've grown, that confidence grew and that mentality that they can hang. And it's evident with Steph. You can see it in how he plays the game. In his early years, he was just shoot, run back on defense. But now he's shooting it from 40 feet. He's doing all these things to rile up the, the crowd. And sometimes he's even shooting it, looking at the opposing bench, <laughs> smirking at them, and then running back. That level of confidence was something I didn't see when, you know, 20, 2010, 2011, 2012. But then once he started, basically once the entire team started getting more confidence, started getting more vocal, you just saw that something was brewing. And I think that's when everything kind of clicked for them was they got confident they knew that they were able to to play against anyone and beat anyone and the just the supreme confidence they had in their own shooting ability was just unparalleled and you think that alone made them better i mean aside from working on their skills individually but that confidence that was like a tangible improvement in the quality of their play yeah, and it made them play more free because if they were confident in passing the ball through a, a very tight gap, then they could basically do anything. And that maturity along with the confidence was it's something that a lot of young players, I guess, 
don't necessarily ever get. Just look at Dragon Bender. He's on the Warriors too, but because of all the instability, he has no confidence in his game. And the fact that Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr told their teams that we believe in you, we are supportive of you, and you can do it, I think that's the main thing that propelled the Warriors more than anything. Interesting. I love that. I love that insight. Um, And I think that gives a lot of promise to, well, to the Mavericks, I mean, any young team, but just knowing that some of it is skill, but some of it is just experience and and getting that experience and gaining that confidence um, to know that you can take it over the top. And so I love that. Um, Mm -hmm. Jared, thank you very much for sharing your insights. This has been really great. I, like I said, I, I saw a lot of similarities and hearing, you know, that perspective, it kind of gives me an idea of what the Mavs, how they could grow, how they should grow over the next few years to hopefully being a championship team. Um, Thanks for being on the show. Tell everyone where they can find you online, where, where they can read your stuff. Yeah, so if you wanted to follow me on Twitter, it's at Castle of Jays, J-A-Y-S on Twitter. And if you wanted to follow me on my podcast, it's at Podcast Bricks for the Shooting Bricks podcast. And if you wanted to read my work, you can find my work on sportsnot.com. I publish Warrior articles every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and St. Louis Cardinals articles on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Awesome. Thank you for being on the show, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow Jared. Uh, You can follow me at underscore Sydney Myers. Um, You can listen to new episodes on DallasHoopsCast.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.